Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ himself and who are aiming their lives at Christ likeness. I'm your host, Mark Spellman, and we're so glad that you're joining the conversation today. Um, I want us to always kind of launch out from Philippians chapter 3 in our conversation. It's really the uh, the foundation and the bedrock of this podcast and all of our conversations, and it's verses 12 through 14 of Philippians 3. It says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but... I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that mark, that goal, that bullseye, we might say, is nothing short of Christ-likeness. Now, that's not a goal that I set. It's not a goal that you can set. It's a goal that's been set by God. It's a goal. It's the aim and the objective for which Jesus came. In fact, I'd like you to join me next over in Romans chapter 8, and we'll see uh, some other thoughts along these lines. Again, just glad you're a part of the conversation. I definitely want to hear from you. Um, please give me an email. Shoot me an email. You can do that at spellmanministries at gmail.com. Spellmanministries at gmail.com. That's spelled S-P-E-L-L-M-A-N. Ministries, plural, at gmail.com. Let me know your comments, your thoughts. If you have questions, something you'd like to see discussed on the podcast, I'd love to hear your questions, and we'll dig into those questions. I'm not promising I'll know the answer, but I'll certainly seek God with you, and we can seek God together, and we can see what Holy Spirit would bring forth as you present those questions to the podcast. So I welcome your questions. I welcome your comments. I welcome your criticisms. You know, it's, I, um, I'll put myself out there for that as well, because here's the thing. It's not what we're doing wrong. Excuse me. It's not what we're doing right that's hurting our life. And, uh, you know, we just have to be open to criticism. You know, not all criticism is good, but there is constructive criticism. So, um Obviously, the voice of the accuser can get involved, uh, the accuser of the brethren. So it's not about accusation, but there is healthy criticism. There is healthy correction. And uh, I welcome your criticism. If you have something you think might help the podcast, uh, my, my heart's open to hear it. So please, again, just shoot me an email, spellmanministries at gmail.com. So Romans 8, let's continue this goal of Christ likeness. Um, Wow. (laughs) That's going to change everything as men. Um, And I believe as husbands, as fathers, as young men, I I hope that there's some young men listening to this program who uh, are letting Christ get a hold of your heart, letting Christ mark your life, that you're a destined one. That you're that you're one called of God, like Jeremiah chapter one, that before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you, God called you, God ordained you. In other words, we could say God marked you. And so it's great if young men can discover that early on so that 
peers and peer pressure and culture and things like that don't begin to mark them and, and give them their identity, but truly Christ begins to give them their identity. Christ begins to show them what they're destined for, what they're marked for, what they're set apart for, what they're ordained to do with their life, their gifts, their talents, their anointings. So here in Romans chapter 8, let's just look at verse, uh, let's pick it up in verse 28. Here's a here's a familiar passage. Um, we'll just begin rolling in at Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. The called. I believe I'm speaking to the called. As men, there's a calling on our life. And yeah, there's individual callings, there's individual gifts, there's individual talents, things that make us unique, things that make us specific. However, there is the called, there is the summoned ones, there is the ones that have been called and have accepted the calling to be like Christ, Christ likeness. That's a huge part of the purpose of Jesus coming was to allow us to once again be like Christ. So verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, let that sink in. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King of the universe. Yes, he is our redeemer, our savior, our deliverer. But this passage here is also letting us know that he is the firstborn among many brethren. So one of the ways you can let that soak into your heart is to learn about the story of Joseph. Joseph was one of of 12 brothers. He had 11 siblings, and God used him to save, redeem, rescue, protect his siblings and their future posterity. He even said at the end of his life, when God had raised him up, made him second in command only to Pharaoh himself, he said, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity. You can read about that in Genesis 37 through 50, those chapters. But listen to his words. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity. What does that mean? He He was a brother that was originally rejected, neglected. His life was thrown away, lied about. Yet God, in that time of hiding and rejection, God began to work in his heart, work in his life, and eventually raised him up. And then God gave him such influence, such wealth, such ability that he was able to preserve his posterity, his lineage, his siblings. And this is the image we're getting here in Romans eight twenty nine that Jesus is all that we said before, but he's also, according to this scripture, an elder brother. He's a brother. He Romans eight twenty nine, those he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called, those he called, those he justified, those he justified, those he glorified. And there's a lot of big theological words there in that passage. 
And we're just going to kind of work through that a little bit. And this is going to be part of our conversation today. But the reason we're even doing this is because Christ likeness is the goal. And this is one of the premier passages that give us that vision, give us that purpose, along with Philippians 3, you know, being marked by Christ and Christ likeness being our goal. But look here again, verse 29, those he foreknew, he also predestined. Now, predestination is a word sometimes that gets thrown around kind of loosely. And if you're not really clear on it, it can tell you that, well, I don't have a choice. It was just predestined to be. It's kind of like the old uh, the old joke I heard one time about those who uh, view predestination as everything that happens is the will of God. And, you know, you somehow try to fit everything that's happening into well, what, God, what are you teaching me in that? God, what, what's this mean? Basically, you have no choice. Everything that's happening is God's will, and you just got to figure out what God's doing in your life. So your your choice really isn't an issue, which completely violates the, the full teaching of the Bible. God absolutely honors our free will. And just because he knows we're going to do something doesn't mean he's controlling that or even that he wills that. And when we talk about predestination, it just means there's a destination prepared. There's a goal. God has clearly established a goal. He's clearly, it's, or it's like this. You could look at this example. It's like if you prepare a big banquet and you send out reservations. In other words, you clearly invited people. And so for everyone you invited, there's like a name tag sitting at the table. Their name is written on it. You're expecting them to come. You want them to come and you prepared a place for them when they arrive. That's another great example of how you can see predestination. God has prepared for our arrival. He has prepared for our heart to come home. And that's the great story of the prodigal, the, the son who comes home. And all of us as men, as men, we have to come home first in our hearts. But here's the beauty. God has prepared for our return. God was expecting us to come home. And like that father in Luke 15 was looking at the horizon, and when he saw his son on the horizon, he didn't wait for his son to come to him. He actually ran to his son and embraced him. Why? Because he was looking for his return. He was anticipating his return. He had actually prepared for that return. And here's the example here, predestination. God has prepared and he's expecting, he's anticipating our return home. Home to who we really are as his son. Home to we, who we really are with Jesus being our elder brother. <clears throat> and so verse 29, those whom he foreknew. I gave a quick uh, pass by on that truth um, when I spoke earlier to the young men who hopefully are listening to this podcast and part of the conversation when I referenced Jeremiah chapter one. Let's let's take a minute. Uh, don't lose your place in Romans eight, but just jump back with me to Jeremiah or if you're on an electronic device, just click over to Jeremiah chapter one, beginning in verse four. Tremendous, tremendous truth here for our hearts. Jeremiah 1 4 says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, 
that's 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 a big thought. That's bigger than our finite time-bound minds can even wrap around. Yet our spirit, our spirit, and I believe your spirit will catch this truth because our spirit came from heaven. Our spirit came from God. Even if you were an unplanned pregnancy, you still were intentionally planned by God. And so I, that's even my testimony. I was I was not even a planned pregnancy. My three older brothers, uh, you know, Garland and Philip and Matt, they're like a year and a half or so apart, two years apart, boom, boom, boom. And then six years later, there's me. Um, however, I was greatly loved. I was greatly welcomed. I was, I grew up in a great home, a lot of support, a lot of love, yet I wasn't planned. So here's the point. Even if you're not planned, you're still planned by God. Even if your parents didn't know you or maybe gave you up for adoption or there's a lot of real complicated situations and painful situations, sometimes people are born into and that might, that might be your story. Maybe you're born into a very painful situation, not like me, where, you know, you had a home that was very supportive and loving and uh, not that we had, you know, full on Christianity in our home, but we had a lot of support and love in our home. But here's what the truth is. Verse five, before I formed you in the womb. So your spirit, your life was formed by God. It's like Adam in the beginning. He he took the dust of the earth and he formed man. Man is the is the formation of God. Man and mankind we're talking about, but men we're speaking to here today. We were formed by God before we were in the womb. So just let let that hit your spirit here today. Before you were in the womb, God knew you. He formed you. Before you were born, God says, I sanctified you. I set you apart. You were set apart for something. First, we're set apart for him, number one, but we're also set apart for a purpose, for a work. Then said I, oh, I'm sorry, the next part is, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So let verse five really soak in your heart today. And that might be something you may want to just meditate even more on after this podcast. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you. Now, this is Jeremiah a prophet to the nations. Now, you may not be ordained a prophet to the nations, but everything in that verse is true for every single one of us. Before we were in the womb, God knew us. Before we were born, we were sanctified. And he, he ordained each and every one of us to do a work, to do something with him to work with our Father, to partner with our Father, to work in His kingdom, the kingdom of His Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so I wanted you to see that in verse 5, Jeremiah 1, before you were born, before you are in the womb, He knew you, He sanctified you, and He ordained you. So that's one of the things we have to understand when we talk about the foreknowledge of God. So back to Romans well, actually, you know, hold your place there. We're talking about the foreknowledge of God. I'll just reference back Romans eight twenty nine. That's where we were at. That God knew us before we knew us. God knew us before even our parents 
knew us. And there's something that he knew that he wanted to sanctify and he wanted to ordain. But look at Jeremiah's response. <laughs> I, I almost rushed away from this, and I'm glad I did. And this is so good. Jeremiah 1, six. then said I. This is Jeremiah's response to that amazing reality we just talked about. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. What is that? I mean, that's an excuse. Sounds like Moses. When Moses was called, he said, Lord, but I stutter. Now, when we hear from the word that we were knew by God before we knew ourselves or our parents even knew us, when we know that our life has actually been sanctified by God and we've been ordained by God, and that's the reason Christ came and shed his blood. Because Have you ever wondered why would God pay such a high price? Why would God allow the blood of his only begotten son, the the pure, the innocent, the holy blood of Jesus, why would he pay such a high price for my life? When all of us have screwed up our lives in certain ways and we've done things for selfish ambition, selfish gain, even if we gain success or gain wealth or gain affluence or gain influence, when we find that it's not fulfilling and we find that ultimately we were just doing it for our own gain, our own fulfillment, our own selfish motives, <laughs> what in the world, why would God pay such a high price? It's because he knew what he created me for. He knew what he created you for, what he sanctified you for, what he ordained you to do. And that's what he wanted to redeem. He wanted that back. He wanted you and I back. And he wanted us back to the place before sin ever touched us. He wanted us back to the place before sin ever hijacked our identity and hijacked our purpose and hijacked our value. And that's exactly what sin does. That's exactly what sin does when it touches us from the very, very earliest of our days. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to teach a kid to be selfish. You don't have to teach a kid to throw a fit and, and, and be pitiful and, and be self-absorbed and to be a fighter and to be angry and to get jealous. I mean, you don't have to teach children that. It's just we're born into it. That's why we have to be born again. That's what the blood of Jesus allows us to do. And through faith in the blood and through faith in Jesus, we are born again. And we're brought back to the place where God ordained us, God sanctified us, and God knew. Now the journey is here on this podcast. Now the journey is here in our life together as we pursue Christ's likeness. We are on an adventure. We are on a discovery uh, quest to know God first, know him, but then to know what he knows about my life. What is it you ordained me for? What is it you sanctified me for? What is it that you knew about me before sin ever touched me? And you paid such a dear price to redeem that, to, re- to save that, to deliver me from all my deceptions, from all my fears, from all my anxieties, from all my failures, from all my shame, from all my uh, iniquity. You know, um, 
But like Jeremiah, we many times will make excuses like verse 6. Oh, Lord God, I, I can't do that. I can't. And we all have our excuses that we can bring up. But here's what the Lord said. He said, no, 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 don't say, don't say that. Don't say I'm just, don't, don't use an excuse. Don't allow your excuse to be bigger than my grace. Don't allow your excuse to be greater than my wisdom and my plan for your life. He's already factored in all that we think we know and all that we have done. And yet he still releases Jesus to come redeem us. He still releases his wisdom and revelation to come pursue us and pursue our hearts so that we could just come back home in our hearts. He says, so don't say I'm just a youth. This is verse 7. For you will go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. Now again, Jeremiah is ordained a prophet to the nations. But what he's dealing with here is excuses and fear. And all of us, no matter what we're ordained to do, no matter what we're called to do, no matter what we've been sanctified unto, we're going to have to deal with excuses and we're going to have to deal with fear. And that's something that it's going to take courage. And I'm just believing God for there just to be a grace, even through our conversation today, a grace to come upon you and your heart and me and my heart so that we would face any excuse we've been using or that we've been hiding behind or we've been procrastinating because of that excuse or a fear. And fear has many faces. Fear has many faces. But we got to confront the fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. We got to we got to confront it. We got to reject it. We got to take authority over it and anything it would try to speak. And many times it's going to it's going to try to influence through excuses. Fear uses excuses. It's one of the it's one of the languages of fear is excuses. Blame. Everything we see Adam and Eve doing, running, hiding, blaming, covering. Fear has has a language and it uses many of these things to try to hold us back and hold us out because the last thing the enemy needs you and I to do is discover who we are in Christ. Discover that we've been sanctified by God. Discover that our life is ordained by God and our life has been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Because once we discover that and we lock onto that, we become a threat to the kingdom of darkness where darkness has ravaged maybe our home or our marriage or our family or our children or our... We become a threat because now we've been awakened and we see the truth, the truth of who God is, the truth of who we are, the truth of what God can do when we come home in our heart. So he said, don't make the excuse that I'm, I'm just too young. And so maybe someone needs to hear that today. I, I feel kind of drawn to young men today that might be listening. And many times that is an excuse. I'm too young. I mean, think about Jesus. You know, 12, 13 years of age, he was in the temple. They went to the, the Jerusalem for a feast. He's there in the temple, 
And actually, the feast was over. The family and the caravan was heading home, and they were a day's journey away when they discovered that Jesus was not with them. So then they had to return. So now two days have passed, and when they arrive, when they arrive, they find out that he's in the temple. There he is in the temple. Uh, talking, having conversation with the scribes, with the Pharisees, and they are astounded that he has such knowledge and such understanding. The, the questions that he was asking were so relevant, so deep, and so probing. It was challenging even the great thinkers among him, and he's but a youth. He was but a youth. And, of course, his parents grabbed him and said, you know, come on, what do you, you know, you, you really had us worried out there. And, and he said, what? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? I pray that during this podcast that there's just such a grace coming upon all of our hearts, no matter what our age is. You're not too young. And let me talk to the Caleb's out there and the Joshua's. You're not too old either. So we just got to throw away the excuses and we got to confront the fear because our life has been ordained. Our life has been sanctified. Our life has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And just like God had to work with Jeremiah, I pray he's working with your heart today and he's working with my heart today when he's saying, don't be afraid. Don't give in to fear. He says, I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. He, and he actually, I'm going to deliver the, you from their faces. Do you know sometimes people don't even have to say something, they just have to look at you a certain way, and you'll stand down, you'll back off. That spirit of intimidation, that spirit of fear can even be in a look. Someone can just give you a look, and it'll affect your behavior. It's not even words. But God says, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver you from their faces. I'm going to let you know I am with you. I am there to deliver you. And he put forth his hand and he touched his mouth and said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. It, this reminds me of Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah was caught up. Very similar situation. In fact, let's look at it. Well, let's learn from the great prophets here. The great men of God. And I believe I'm talking to some great men of God. Look at Isaiah 6. Let's look at very similar situation. Isaiah 6, 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, this Isaiah talking about, and he says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up the train of his robe filled the temple. And if you know the story on that, kings would, uh, in conquest, would then take the robes of former kings and stitch them to their uh, their robe, and so a real long train meant tremendous conquest, tremendous conquest. So the train of his robe filling the temple means that room had so much testimony of his conquest, of his conquering. So the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one having six wings. With two they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they did fly. And they cried out one to another, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when they cried out to one another in the, in the throne room, it says the posts, verse 4, 
Isaiah 6, 4, the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And, and Isaiah is witnessing this. He's witnessing this worship, this proclamation of the integrity of God, the character of God, the perfection of God. Like James says, in whom this God, there's no shadow of turning. He doesn't need to change. He doesn't need to turn. He's perfect in every direction. He's perfect with everything he says. He's perfect with everything he does. And these these seraphim are catching, they're seeing and beholding the perfection of God. And they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And with such cry, they're literally shaking the post. And Isaiah's witnessing this. <laughs> what else would he say? Verse 5, woe is me. I am undone. We, we certainly can relate to that. I mean, sometimes the presence of God just manifests in such a way at church or in, in worship and just different times. And, you know, we can be undone. And, and that's what happens when truth comes in. Truth will undo us. You know, sometimes we're all tangled up in life. We're all just tangled up in in, in matters and affairs and situations and our minds, our soul, our emotions. We're all tangled up. But the presence of God can just undo all that. And he was undone, overwhelmed. We might say it this way. My son Sam says this all the time. He says, you just melt in the carpet. <laughs> and that's a that's a real good visual. I can see that. I mean, so we could just say Isaiah just melted in the carpet as if there's carpet. Anyway, I am a man. Notice the first thing he's aware of. The first thing he's aware of when he's undone, completely overwhelmed and just blown away in God's presence. What's the first thing he's aware of? I'm a man of unclean lips. The words that he's spoken, the things that he said, the first thing he's aware of is that his words have been polluted. His words were dirty. His words were stained. His words, this is a prophet. This is a prophet. This is someone who's been used by God. And yet, when he wasn't under that anointing, when he wasn't under the anointing of Holy Spirit, and he wasn't being used by God, he was so aware of how unclean his words had been, how unclean his his voice had been, and his his words have touched people wrong. And I think we all as men, we've not always spoken to our wives right. We've not always spoken to our children right. We've not always spoken to our boss right. We've not always spoken to our employees right or our coworkers right. We've not always had the right words and we've not always spoken to ourselves right. That inner conversation. So notice that's so important. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have just seen the king. Do you know this is what we get to look forward to, men? We get to look forward to a day when we get to see our king. We get to see our king upon his throne. And we get to rule and reign with him throughout all eternity. 
And our hearts are being prepared for that right now. It's one of the things we do on this podcast, just prepare hearts of men, to prepare men's hearts, because we're destined to reign with King Jesus. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, what happened was, verse 6, a seraphim, he's undone, he's broken down, he's aware of his sinfulness, but he's particularly aware of what he's been saying. Because see, we are speaking spirits. Remember we read Jeremiah 1? Our spirit came from God. Our spirit came before we were even formed in the womb. Our life force, our life, who we are, our spirit came from God. And then that spirit has a voice and it uses the flesh. It uses the voice box. It uses the soul, the mind, the thoughts. And our spirit speaks. We are speaking spirits. We are housed in a house of clay. We might say our bodies are like a glove for our spirit. But our spirit expresses itself through the soul and through the flesh. But we are speaking spirits. And so that's why Isaiah is so aware of what he's been speaking, what his spirit has been speaking what he's used his voice to say outside of those times when he was anointed by God as a prophet and what he was aware of all the conversations of his people. That's why conversation is so important. We always use that word here at Family Mission and we use it here on the Marksman uh, podcast. We want this to be a conversation. Life is put together by conversations Conversations that influence us for good, conversations that influence us for not so good. So Isaiah's getting awakened here. He's getting a revelation here. He said, I'm an unclean man. My, my words have not been clean. I live in the midst of a people with unclean words and conversations. But a seraphim flew, notice this, verse 6, a seraphim flew having in his hand a live burning coal which when he had taken it with tongs from off the altar. So he reached on the altar with tongs, took a hot coal off. Now it's in his hand. It's interesting. Angels are called the burning ones. So he's handling this live coal and he flies to Isaiah and he touches his mouth with it and said, behold, This has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. This is what we're talking about when we talk about men who have been marked by Christ. They've had a coal. They've had Jesus himself because Jesus is that living coal. He's He's that burning one that came and lived a life so that our sin could be purged. Our iniquity could be taken away. That's why he came, to remove our iniquity, to purge our sin, so that who we really are could be redeemed. Who we really are could come forth. I pray you're catching this, man. I pray that this is encouraging your heart, stirring your heart. And I pray ultimately it provokes a conversation with you and the Lord, you and your king, you and your God. Notice he said, your iniquity is taken away, your sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Notice the shift. And we're working towards a close here on the podcast. And we're going to finish you know, with this part of our conversation. Notice the shift. Now God asks, who will go for us? 
You see the plurality, the Elohim. You see the, the, the Trinity, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You see the Elohim speaking. He says, who's going to go for us? Same one who spoke in Genesis one twenty six when he said, let us make man in our image. So he said, who's going to go for us? Then said I, here am I. I mean, <laughs> one minute he's melted into the carpet. The next minute he's raising his hand volunteering. Come on now. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. That's the power of a life that's been marked by Christ. You, you become aware of your sins for a moment. But then the living coal, Jesus Christ, comes and touches your life. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. And now God's asking for people to work with him. And now you raise your hand and say, here am I. Send me. And he said, now go tell this people. And he gives them instructions. That's what I pray is your heart today. Let the life of Jesus Christ, let the sacrifice he paid, let the blood that he shed, let the spirit that he sent do a work in our hearts, men, so that whatever sin, guilt, condemnation we're dealing with, we let the blood of Jesus, we let that hot coal of the life of Jesus, let it touch our life, let it touch our mouth. Let us believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the lordship of Jesus. Let the train of his robe fill your heart. Let him conquer everything in your heart. Let him conquer every fear in your heart. Let him conquer every every excuse in your heart. In your heart, let him conquer and have you and I be his great conquest. Well, I can't stop with that verse. I got to stop with one others and then we'll close. And it's in the book of Luke chapter 10, and you'll see why we have to finish here. And I want to give a shout out to my son, Sam. He found this verse. This is powerful. And and it's particularly powerful in the message. Luke 10 in the message, it's a paraphrase, I understand, but this is so powerful. Luke 10, and it's around verse 18, yeah. <laughs> we talked about the train of his robe and the conquest that he's had and the authority that that, that God has. And of course, authority was a big thing in Jesus' life. He, he walked in dominion. He walked in authority. And here is the context. He'd sent out 70 others and his disciples to go cast out devils, go heal the sick, go exercise the authority of the kingdom and preach the kingdom, proclaim the kingdom of God. And when they return, they're, they're, they're like, wow, Jesus, we healed the sick. We cast out devils. They were subject unto us. And he said, I know, is verse 18 in the message, paraphrase. He says, I know, I saw Satan fall like a bolt of lightning out of the sky. Do you see what I've given you? You actually have a safe passage as you walk on snakes and scorpions and protection from every assault of the enemy. No one can put a hand on you. All the same, the great triumph. The great triumph. If you're listening today, say that out loud with me. The great triumph. All the same, the great triumph is not in your authority over evil, but it's in God's authority over you and his presence with you. Remember, God told Jeremiah, I'm with you. God told Isaiah, I'm with you. Romans chapter 8, we didn't get there today. Later on, it says, if God is with you, who can be against you? God is clearly with us. 
And we took a little bit of time today in our conversation just to break down a little bit of the foreknowledge of God, the the predestination of God as it pertains to our life, aiming at Christ-likeness. So let the revelation of Jesus Christ be that hot coal. Let the revelation of who Jesus Christ is and who you are, let it touch your life, let it touch your heart. And like Isaiah, let it, let it cleanse your sin, let it purge your iniquity, and let, please raise your hand and say, here am I, a man of God, use me. Use me to lead my home. Use me to lead in my vocation, in my career, in my work. Use me to be an example to young men. Young men, I'm speaking to you. Raise your hand and say, Lord, use me. Lord God, use me to speak to my generation. Use me to be an influencer in my peers. Let me bring positive kingdom peer pressure. Let me bring the pressure of the kingdom, the influence of the kingdom into my school, into my job. So all of us, whether we're young men, whether we're middle-aged, whether we're older, it's time for us to rise up, men. It's time for us to throw away the excuses. It's time for us to face the fear. It's time for us to know that God knew something about our lives before we knew it. He factored all that in, and He sent Jesus to redeem us, to pay the price for our sin. He came, and that revelation, like a hot coal, it can touch our life, and we can say something different now, something that's not held back by excuses, something that's not held back by fear. And we can rise up as men and say, Here am I. Send me.